I did a keynote for a company called Marketplace Sotheby's International Realty. Um, it's an affiliate of the largest real estate company in the world, basically Sotheby's. And they were a, a newer uh, group in the Seattle area. And my gig was about leadership, uh, overcoming adversity, and not being afraid to ask for help because realtors are notorious for taking their contacts and sticking them up against their chest because they don't want to share. And how important it is to take the strengths of those around you and you're stronger as a group than you are as an individual. And blah, blah, blah. I was just rambling on about something. And we had had some wine beforehand because <laughs> I knew some of the people in the audience. And at some point the conversation moved into, Hey, did you know that accessibility is non-existent in residential real estate? There is no way for a realtor to list a home that has accessibility features. And there is no way for a realtor or a, just a general user looking to buy a home to find accessible features. It's not there. That's huge, by the way. It's massive. That's a huge epiphany. Yeah. Well, and I was just, I tried to buy a house that had accessibility features and we just ended up looking for ramblers because that was the closest thing that we could find, not knowing anything, you know, in terms of real estate. And I threw the challenge out and was kind of joking actually. And about a month later, the president of Marketplace Sotheby's, Chad Schreiner, called me up and said, Hey, you know what, Barry? I was thinking about uh, what you said and let's go grab coffee. So we went and met the pizza coop and over lunch, he said, you're right. I've looked, there is no accessibility in real estate. At that time, the state of Washington had one button for a listing agent to, to list. So they could say, this home is in this school district. It's in this, dis, um, in this county. It's got three bedrooms and two baths. And here are all the statistics of the home. And there was a button that said disabled access. That's it. And we know that that means what? what? It's like, it's like, I love saying, it's like it was gr saying it was green. Well, what kind of green? Is it dark green, light green? Is it fluorescent green? I mean, there's 15,000 shades of green. Same thing with disability. What does that mean? So while we were at lunch, Chad got out his credit card and said, you need to be a realtor. And I went, I have to ask Emily before I do anything. Are you kidding me? I don't want to be a realtor. I'm a public speaker. What? And he swiped his card in the local real estate school and said, I just signed you up. You start on Monday. <laughs> and, and I kid you not. That's what happened. And I got home and went, Em, I think I'm going to be a realtor. And it was, it was good timing. I mean, my speaking, I was missing things with the kids because I was traveling a lot. And I had also got, had a job, you know, at a vendor for Microsoft. So, uh, you know, that was kind of my day-ish job while I was speaking and, Boom, I went to real estate school and I immersed myself in what real estate was, but I also had to learn what disability was. And then I had to learn what accessibility meant because I thought that I knew, but I only knew based on a manual wheelchair because that was my life. Mm. And so what is accessibility? Accessibility is an attitude that allows an environment to change so somebody can do what it is they want to do. Mm. That's really what it is. Um, if everybody in the world was in a wheelchair, every building in the world would be wheelchair accessible. If everybody in the world was deaf, the world would be the, the structural world that we create would be different. So what ends up happening is that the general population does not have a disability like mine. Yes. So the build and the attitude of design is not focused on my need as a wheelchair user because the majority of people 
don't have that need. So accessibility is a mindset. And that mindset is what I'm trying to do can be changed. That's cool. So what's been interesting is that we're trying to teach realtors that, but (laughs) one of the challenges is that there's this federal law called the Fair Housing Act, which I love. The Fair Housing Act is there to protect classes of people so they don't get discriminated against. And sometimes the laws like that end up actually being a deterrent for things changing because of fear. So, for example, a realtor can't specifically target a protected class and say, hey, you are a blank of this protected class. Mm. I think you should live in this area or in this school district or in this socioeconomic area. And the same thing happens for people with disabilities because I'm not allowed to say, hey, Andrew, you're, you're a nice handicapped kid. You should live in this housing community over here, which is accessible. That's against the Fair Housing Act. Sure. So what we've had to do was in our training, and it's fun, my partner, Tom Minty, he actually works for a different real estate company that I do. And we came together to put this company called Able Environments together to, to educate realtors on what accessibility meant. And what we did was we created a training that teaches disability and it explains all the different, not all, many of the different facets of disability. Sure. And then we explain that each could one you, of those disabilities. Could you go through a few of those? Yeah, each one of those disabilities has a need for accessibility. So for example, I'm in a wheel, manual wheelchair. Yeah. So here's the obvious. I'm looking for a ramp or I'm looking for a one level no lip entry home. I'm looking for wider hallways and doorways that I can access. I'm looking for a kitchen that I can roll my knees right underneath and access what I need to, to access. And all of the uh, appliances should be in a situation that are a level that I can get to. I've got a dear friend who's deaf. She's looking yes. for something completely different. She's still looking for accessibility, but she's looking for accessibility based on a different need than I have. So hers is, well, she wants an open concept so she can see everything in the house because she can't hear and she has young children. Mm. She wants when the door opens for a light to flash because if somebody walked in the front door and she was in the other room, she wouldn't know. She's looking for you know a video recorder that's on the gate of their property so when somebody gets to the gate and they hit the button that says, hey, I'm here, she can see it, not because she can't hear it. And then my good friend Clark, who's blind, you know, he's looking yes. for a totally different concept in his house. He, you know, stairs are okay, but he wants handrail, even though he would rather have a one level home. So you don't have to worry about stairs, but also in his home, um, there's audio cues for things and he doesn't, he, he can't see. So if you've got a microwave that's flat and all the buttons are flat. Oh yes. He can't tell which button he's pushing. So, and that's just an example of the types of things that. Mm that the need is there, the accessibility need, based on either the disability or the physical situation, because it's not always disability. Some people are just getting older. You know, it was 10,000 baby boomers are turning 65 every day for the next 11 years. And every single one of those baby boomers, at some point, the needs are going to start giving up. So they actually have a need for accessibility, not based on the disability, just based on, you know, on their specific needs. So it's been a really interesting process project I, I wasn't prepared to learn as much as i was learning and now we're ch- turning that around and and training realtors on what it means because most realtors and i'm going to stereotype for a minute yes. most realtors idea if you say accessibility they think wheelchair ramp they think grab bars yep and that's it it's so much bigger than that so much bigger i think that's the one thing i appreciate of of you and i uh talking 
is definitely you've opened my eyes on accessibility. And and when you research accessibility, there are products out there that are so cool that could lift a, a heavy um, like a, a mixer where it just you flip a switch, you pull it up, and you're able to use it. You don't have to pick it up because it's hard to pick up a heavy mixer if you're in a chair or if you've got, let's say, um, you know, if you are aging place living and bending over and grabbing that thing isn't uh, going to be easy anymore. Right. But but then there's also being able to elevate or lower the counter. That way you can use it in a variety of ways. Even like, I think uh, one of the examples was, let's say if you have little kids and grandma is helping them and grandma can't stand. So, so she, she sits and you lower the counter and grandkids can now can stand right next to her and help make dinner. Right. And I think that is one, it's, it's accessible, but it's also creating community and it's also creating right. just the idea that engaging families different where no one's left out. Yeah, well, it's it's universal design is yes. what it's called. And universal design is actually a set of standards that make a home or property or, or business usable for the most number of people. Um, because there's always outliers that have a specific need, but generally we found this beautiful kitchen that actually had a, it had a stair step counter. So there was a lower counter for the mom who was in a wheelchair. There was a midsize counter for the kids. And then there was a tall counter for the husband who's like six, three. But when you looked at the kitchen, you thought, oh, this is a beautiful design. You would have no idea that that was actually specifically designed for a family that had three different heights. Wow, that's <laughs> crazy. Know, so, so there's other really that's cool awesome. things that, again, the attitude of design and getting architects and builders to think mm. it through. You know, we have a we have a housing community in the Seattle area that I won't mention that is 55 and over. And if you drive through that community, every single home in that community has two steps to get in it. Wow. Oversight. Yeah. So it's educating builders Hey, there's going to be, it's not just about a wheelchair guy who needs an accessible home. Accessibility is a mindset that if you're going to build a 55 number community, we'll do it right. Don't have steps do right. to get into yeah, the house. Absolutely. You know, you're not just putting a grab bar in the bathroom. Um, and that's, that's the old school stereotype that accessibility is ugly and that, you know, that you don't, nobody would want a house that has, you know, handicapped features in it. And, and, and that's just not the case anymore. There, there's luxury in accessibility when it comes to specifically, you know, talking in residential real estate yes if you were to uh, educate the community about not only from design of builders who are building homes for maybe 55 and older communities as well as just the standard home where there's going to be more people with maybe different needs because we are getting older and then but also for the realtors so there's a couple there's the designer there's the builder and then there is the realtor. And because I think one of the things is when you don't know, you ignore it. That's right. One of the things I, I like what you said earlier was like, uh, I need to humble myself and ask for help. That's and right. that's a huge piece about, I need help with this. And if you're a realtor and you don't know, you got to reach out. Yeah. The, there's also a fear of saying the wrong thing. And in today's day and age, if you say the wrong thing, you can get hammered socially. Yes. I mean, hammered. 
So there is a, an understandable fear that a realtor has that they might not want to work with somebody with a disability because they're afraid that they're going to say the wrong thing because they've never met anybody with a disability. Sure. And that's totally understandable. Um, I've been interviewing lots of people with different disabilities and situations lately, and I've asked all of them the same question. How do you want people to treat you? And how do you want people to communicate with you? Because we have lots of different communication styles. You know, we've been talking about ASL and we've been talking about my friend Tanya who uses Morse code and we've got, you know, quads and paras and deaf and blind and developmental disabilities and all these different aspects of communication that are different. And I've found that asking is the best way to overcome that fear. And even in my relationships, I mean, my mm -hmm. friends and my wife, if they didn't ask me something about my specific situation, then... For one, I didn't know they didn't know. And for two, they'll never get an answer unless they ask. Absolutely. So by admitting that, hey, I don't know, and saying, hey, I, you know, Andrew, I don't know what it's like to have this situation you're in. Can you just enlighten me a little bit so you and I can communicate about it? And then that big elephant in the room of, I don't want to say the wrong thing is gone. And you know what? And give me grace. If I say the wrong thing, I'm not trying to offend you. I've just... I've now been educated. Yes. You know, and that's one thing that I, I've been learning in this show, filming for, for Barry's Accessible World. I'm highlighting these really cool things that, that the people are, are allowing me with my disability to experience. You know, I'm in a racing, you know, off-road rally cars at Dirtfish, and I just got an amazing tour of the Space Needle because the accessibility upgrades they've done at mm. the Space Needle in Chihuly are off the charts. Um, you know, the deaf dance I was mentioning. Yes. You know, I'm hoping to go to a Seahawks game with a gentleman who's blind to go experience what that's going to be like. I'm going skydiving with one with cerebral palsy. So I'm learning accessibility on the extreme from all these different people with different disabilities. And I'm finding that in educating the general population about what is a disability, what does accessibility mean, you know, what's the attitude and the mindset behind it, um, I'm finding that there's this fear of the unknown that that people are nervous about saying the wrong thing. And I'm also learning that people with disabilities need to have a little bit more grace and allow people to make a mistake. Yes. And... And with those two things happening at the same time, we're going to have a lot more forward-thinking conversations. Absolutely. Because there's, uh, there's the, the anger culture right now of how dare you. And a lot of times that how dare you isn't necessary. You know, what's really fun is when we step into a new organization that we're you know, approaching for the show, the, the first, for example, the, the Mopop, the, the, Museum of Pop Culture, the old Jimi Hendrix Museum. I say old Jimi Hendrix Museum because that's how it started, the EMP. When I went in and started talking to them about maybe filming there, immediately they went, oh, we're so sorry our accessibility isn't where we want it to be. And that's the mindset that I'm getting from a lot of organizations. Mm. They're, they're apologizing because they don't want to get in trouble. And my mindset is, oh, I don't really care. You haven't done it. We're talking today so you can make it more accessible. You know, and LeMay, the Autumn Museum down in, in Tacoma, which is south of Seattle, they reached out and we went down and got to walk through their entire museum, coolest cars in the world yes. because they want to make their museum accessible, but they don't know how to do it. And again, the first thing that happened when we walked in with the camera crew was, Oh, we're so sorry. We're not accessible. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm thanking you for bringing us in. Yes. So there's this level of grace on both sides that 
that needs to happen for this communication to go forward healthy. Those who have disabilities and those who are in the situation where, you know, you don't know what my experience is of being in the chair until you ask. And if you say the wrong thing, am I going to be offended? No, I'm just going to educate you. Maybe next time you should say it a little bit different. Sure. <laughs> you know, and that's, we're finding that. And, and my, you know, executive producer, you know, Michael, he has been my best friend since we were little kids. And he's learning that too, that, wow, you know, both sides of the fence when it comes to whether we're interviewing somebody with a disability or interviewing somebody who's trying to help a person with a disability or interviewing somebody who's never, ever even met somebody with a disability that they knew, you know, they all have to, you know, come together to say, hey, we really don't know how to talk to each other, but we're learning. <laughs> and we need that in society in general. Yes. We need it everywhere. Yeah. When it comes to community, when it comes to politics, when it comes to how we govern, we need that ability to, to seek understanding. That's right. There are more differences within groups than between groups. That's very true. And so when you think about people who are all in a wheelchair, there's more differences between them than people who are not in a wheelchair. I mean, a- it's true blind, deaf people. It's the same exact thing. Here's a great example. So this kid that I, uh, we just met, um, he, he's very rapidly going blind mm. and he has a very rare disease. And, you know, eight months ago he was absolutely normal, fine, thought maybe he needed glasses and it's now progressed to where he's very close to being totally blind and he will be. And he got to go race cars at Dirtfish. Now, they didn't let him drive, but it didn't matter because I've never seen a smile bigger on a kid's face mm. than, than him coming around the track, <laughs> rallying off-road. And he said something that was so amazing to me. He said that they were in a, in a department store and that he was asking one of the people that worked there about a technology that they had that would help him, like a screen reader for his phone. And the person who was working at that store didn't know anything about that technology, so went and got a gentleman who works there in a wheelchair and brought him over. Because you both have disabilities, so he <laughs> should be able to talk to each other. And I guess the guy in the wheelchair was like, why did you get me? I don't know anything about this. And he was like, well, you guys are, you know. Wow. So, and it. And it was an it was an honest mistake. Yeah, I, you know, and I I giggle at it just because that's the kind of thing that happens. Not being mad at the at the kid who went and got the guy in the wheelchair. Sure, because he was doing his best. You know, and it was just putting this umbrella of disability together. Yeah, and, and I, I, it makes me laugh because it's kind of funny, but yet he was trying to do the right thing. Yes. So I can't be mad at him. But it's just an interesting perspective that you know we you, cultures will lump each other into a group when just like you said that group has as many differences within it than any group does Absolutely. you know it's just sometimes you know stereotypes put, push that together yes so it's really interesting being and, and to see it part of that and I, i'm sure i'm sure you've experienced that in a variety of, of ways but it, it it is interesting when when you don't know what you don't know oh yeah and you make massive assumptions Oh yeah, you in a wheelchair will know how to help this kid who's going blind. Yeah. Well, and here's a perfect example. When I first got into real estate, I was trying to learn what accessibility meant to to these other you know, people that 
also have disabilities that are different than mine. And I, I ended up going out to lunch with a couple of quadriplegic friends and neither of them can use their arms at all. So they use their mouths to drive their chairs. And I asked them a question I thought I knew the answer to because I had this huge assumption that <laughs> that was I was wrong. And I said, so what's your Barbie dream wedding house? So the first one, if you could design everything that you want in your house, what would it be? And the first guy said, well, I want a totally wheelchair accessible house. And I it was like, yeah, duh. And he said, no, I want to be able to go to every square inch of my house. Even though I'm not going to do laundry, someday I'm going to have kids and my kids are going to do laundry and I want to be able to go with them so I can help them do it even though I can't specifically physically help them do it. Mm. And I went, oh, super cool. That's what I expected, but even more information. And then I went to the second guy and he was like, no, dude, I want a three-story house. And I started laughing and went, you're phony. He goes, no, I really want a three-story house. I went, you're a quadriplegic and a huge power chair. Why do you want a three-story house? He said, because the main level is going to be totally wheelchair accessible, 100%. When my mom comes over, and she comes over a lot, and my caregivers come over, when they're not in my square, in my face doing something for me, I don't want them in my square footage. I want them gone. I want them to go upstairs. And they can climb stairs. So I want my caregiver and my mom to be able to access the upstairs of my house. And I went in the third floor. He said, equipment. I've got lots of huge equipment and I don't want that equipment wasting my square footage. It can be downstairs in the storage area because anybody who's going to be caregiving for me can walk or they won't have that job. Sure. So I want a three story house and I, my mind blew. Oh my gosh. I said a quadriplegic tell me that he wanted a totally inaccessible, partially accessible three story house. Wow, that was awesome. It showed me that I didn't know anything about accessibility. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I had to learn because just like you said, there can be six people in wheelchairs all laying next to each other, sitting next to each other with the same injury or the same, you know, a level of paralysis. But you know what? I raced wheelchairs for a long time. My shoulders hurt more. I don't want to put my shoulders above my head. The kid next to me is 22 and he doesn't care. So he can put his shoulders above his head and the woman next to him, well, you know, she's got this and that. So I had to learn that accessibility was relative. Well, even depend on where the fracture in the spine is. So that might mean that your your arms might not be able to do certain things because of the the high degree or the the depending on the on which vertebra. That's so because I remember knowing someone they unfortunately were in an accident and I believe underneath their arms and their I want to say their pinky, the the they don't have feeling. Correct. And so their arms are different than different mobility than yours. So their needs are going to be so much different. Oh yeah. I met a gentleman who he, he has a totally wheelchair accessible house, except for the front because there's five steps to get to it. And I don't, what are you talking about? And he said, Oh, well, Barry, don't take offense to this, but I don't like people seeing me in my wheelchair. He said, I hit and stepped on an IED and I blew both of my legs off and I use prosthetic legs. Said, so when I'm out in public, I use my prosthetic legs. When I'm in my house, I use my wheelchair. But I don't want anybody to see me in a wheelchair. I was like, I'm not taking offense. That's cool. So he actually has a totally wheelchair accessible house, but five steps to get to it. <laughs> you know? And I was like, okay, that's a new one. How am I going to sell that? Is that? Interesting. Yeah. So I think this <clears throat> highlights the idea of, uh, let's go right back to the realtor. Yep. Advocating for their client asking questions. That's right. And it's okay to ask questions. That's it. Because 
five different people to look share, you have five different answers. So therefore, you can't make assumptions that they all have the same exact needs. I would like you to get into a little more detail of the MLS listings and what that information is now available compared to before Barry Long got his nose in, in the middle of it. Because I think that's really important information. And how can that make progress to help realtors and clients? So the MLS is actually called the multiple listing service. And what it is, is it's the house for all the data of real estate. So we're going to sell your house, Andrew, and it's got X amount of bedrooms and X amount of, of bathrooms. And it's got this much square footage and it's in this school district and it's in this county and it's got all of these different things. And all of that is data that lives either in the MLS or in the tax county records or in the superintendent of public instruction, public instructions, um, you know, school district data. So all that information is out there. And then when I'm going to sell your house, I take all that information and I bring it together and I put it into the MLS. So then when somebody else goes out and is searching for that home, they can find all that data on whatever website they want to search on, whether it's realtor.com or whatever website. So what the lacking aspect of it from accessibility was, is that there was the button I talked about, disabled access. So what we did was Tom and I, went to the MLS, the Northwest Multiple Listing Service, which was fantastic because we approached them with the concept of, hey, we want to make this better. And they said, we don't know how to make it better. And we went, well, that's what we know. So they gave us access to the back end of their database. And we got to go in and learn how that data was collected. And then we came up with a new set of criteria for accessibility. And the problem that we had was is disability is relative. Yes. There is no perfect accessible home so we broke a property into sections so there's approach there's entrance there's living area bedroom bathroom utilities there's one for elevators lifts and ramps and we broke the property down into sections and then a realtor can now take this form that we created it's called form 6b i joke about it being 6 berry but tom doesn't buy that (laughs) so the 6b the realtor can now look at that 6b and say does this home have any of these criteria um, searchable criteria, does it have any of the searchable criteria that then another realtor could look for to find whether that home is accessible? And then within that form, they can actually go in and get specific. So mm. let's just say, for example, a bathroom. If they check the box that says this home has an accessible bathroom, then they can go in and they can say, does it have a roll in your sink? Does it have a roll in shower? Does it have um, a light flash? So if the front door opens while you're in the bathroom, you know it, you know, for somebody who's, who's deaf mm-hmm. or it has all these different accessibility options that a realtor can then check. So then when they list that home, another realtor can say, Hey, I'm looking for all the accessible homes in gig Harbor. And because you've checked the boxes that said that this home is accessible, that other realtor will be able to find it. Nice. So what we, what we found when we first started was either there was a button that said disabled access or there was a couple of, of MLSs that tried to do the right thing and they had 400 boxes and realtors are not going to check a box for every single light switch in a home. So we had to really be careful about how much information we allowed the realtor to put into the listing because they wouldn't do it otherwise. So we've got it set up that there's, there's truly eight searchable criteria and then each one of those then has a section within the document that they can fill out. And then that allows the realtor who's looking for accessibility to find it. And right now it's not national yet. There's only about four states, uh, five states that have it, um, that we've given other states our accessibility. Mm. 
um, criteria. But what's really cool for Tom and I is that there's this organization called Rezo or Rezo, which is the real estate standards organization. And they own the taxonomy of real estate. So the reason why everybody says bedroom is because if Washington said bedroom and Kansas said BDRM, you don't have two data points for the same exact mm, thing. That makes sense. So there's one set of standards across the board. And when we applied to, to Rizzo with our new, you know, our, our list of accessibility, you know, criteria, they approved it. So now our criteria is the standard nationally. Nice. So realtors and MLSs around the country will hopefully be able to start using our criteria. So eventually the idea is, is that when someone goes to realtor.com, they can check the accessibility button and every MLS in the country is listing the same information. So then they can find that. And that that's the so goal. Cool. So what we're doing now is we're starting to, we're training realtors nationally. We're, we're really close to having a national training set up so people can get their accessibility designation. So there'll be an, you know, accessibility real estate specialist. And, and then we're setting up a network of realtors around the country that understand accessibility more, you know, the expert is a tough word because as long as they understand a little bit of the back end, and then they, they truly understand the need for being able to ask those questions properly then we should be able to help people all over the whole country. So then somebody from, you know, Oklahoma can, you know, come to our website, AMO Environments, which is set up now and say, hey, we're looking for a realtor in Oklahoma who knows accessibility and we make a call and then we introduce them and boom, you know, they're, they're now able to find that accessible home that they're looking for. So that's, that's the ultimate goal. And we're working in that direction. It's been, it's been a lot of fun. We're getting a lot closer. So really, uh, if, if let's say a realtor is listening to this podcast what would you encourage them to do to one explore, but also be that change agent that we talked about earlier? Because it has to start with someone. Education. Um, with what we're doing, we have a three-hour clock hour class in Washington, and this new class uh, I'm hoping to have out by about August that you know realtors around the country will be able to take and. It's asking the right questions. I've been on the phone with so many realtors around the country. That's, you know, what I've actually gotten on calls with other realtors and I have nothing to do with their transaction, but I know what questions to ask now. You know, hey, you've got somebody who has this type of a disability or this type of an accessibility need. Here are the questions that you should ask. And here's an example. I'll ask somebody who's in a wheelchair and this is how you break the ice. Do you get on and off the toilet from the left or from the right when you get out of your wheelchair? Mm. And people will go, what? I'm like, no, seriously, I want you to think about it. When you get out of your wheelchair and you get on the toilet, do you do it from the left side of your chair or the right side? I go, let me explain. Because if you get out of your wheelchair onto the toilet on the right side, and then you use the grab bar there, the toilet needs to be set up on the right side of your bathroom. So if we're looking for a house and the toilet and the bathroom is on the left side of the bathroom, you're going to have to remodel. Mm. Or do you have to remodel? Can you get off of your chair onto the toilet on the left side? And most people do the same thing every single time. They don't think about it, but they do. So then I get them thinking, oh my gosh, I I do only get out of my wheelchair on the right side. Whenever I get onto the couch or if I get into the car, I I only transfer, my strength transfers this way. Wow, we're really looking for houses that have a bathroom that's got a toilet over on this side, not on that side. So it's there's no right answer to that question, but it makes them think, how do I use my wheelchair or 
what kinds of things am I looking for? Um, I was just chatting yesterday with a woman whose husband is blind, and she said one of the things that, that he has trouble with is that he's got a cane, and his cane stops him from running any into things that are on the ground. But if there's something that's hanging down, let's say he's in a building and the fire extinguisher is pointing is out. He won't see that. Mm. The cane goes under the fire extinguisher, which is now out an outcrop and bang, he hits his forehead. Mm. So, you know, just asking the, the questions of how does this person who's looking for a home use their environment that allows you to really look you know, at that home and say, is this home, for one, is it accessible for their needs? And if not, is it easily adaptable yes. to their needs? And is this house a visitable home? Now, here's an example. You know, I got a friend. He wants me to come over and go to watch the Super Bowl and hang out at this house, but he doesn't want me to stay. The bedrooms are all up on the second floor. <laughs> the you know, accessibility is on the main level. I can go to the kitchen because that's where you hang out. I can go to the bath, you know, the bathroom or a bathroom. His home is visitable for me to come and check out, but it doesn't need to be accessible. So, you know, there's different levels of what is the need of this home, but does that home have the adaptability? Because there are very few perfectly accessible homes out there. They're just, and, you know, figuring out a, you know, part of what we've done with the MLS is we've allowed buyers to find a home that's easily adaptable to make what it, what it is they need for their accessibility. That's really cool. That's going to change the trajectory of supporting people to find homes that 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 match their needs. Well, that's and the goal. That's awesome. I want people who have some any kind of I say accessibility need, but accessibility is just a feature set when I'm sure. looking at property. I mean, the, everybody has their own their own desire and their own need and their own want when they're talking about buying a home. You know, it's some people want a bar and, you know, some people want a three car garage and some people want three bedrooms or two bedrooms or some people want accessibility. So it's just another feature set, which is how we've actually gotten ourselves out of trouble with the Fair Housing Act because Mm. we train disability. What is it? Just in general. So every realtor knows, well, gosh, there are lots of different kinds of disability out there. There isn't just an answer of what does disability mean? And then we have a need from disability to accessibility. And now we're talking about a feature set. So we're no longer talking about getting in trouble with the Fair Housing Act because we're talking about feature sets of a home. And that feature set could be for a wheelchair need, or it could be for someone with visual impairment or a hearing impairment or a developmental disability or, you know, grandma's, you know, coming over to stay. So we need these things, you know, and that is a feature set of a home. That's cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's awesome. So how can people... Uh, get connected to you? How can they find you? A uh, couple of different ways. Um, from real estate, it's ableenvironments.com. And my partner, Tom, actually started Able Environments before we met. And then when we met, uh, we put put all of our energy into that. So um, we're a referral network for you know people around the country who are looking for accessible homes. And uh, we're also, you know, making some changes on the front end as well. And even, you know, pushing some legislature um, in that direction. Uh, so ableenvironments.com. And then the show that I've been talking about is Barry's Accessible World. And right now the the, the actual URL and the, the website just says coming soon. Coming because soon. Because we're, we're real close. Yeah. So I'll make sure uh, I'll put the uh, in the show notes that information so people yeah. can find you. Cool. But also uh, I can't wait to see how this uh, evolves into 
uh, even more features, but you, you mentioned legislature that you are seeking to change. What specifically are you looking to change? You know, it's, it's educating. So when I say legislature, it's educating the legislators of what we're doing. Um, we're not actually trying to change legislature. Okay. I'm not trying to add accessibility. I'm not trying to make a requirement because I don't think there should be a requirement for residential real estate. There's the ADA, which is lovely and wonderful for the public consumption. There's yep. the Fair Housing Act that's already established and protects um, people from being discriminated against. There's local governance, you know, of of, of different um, building code. Uh, requirements. And then there's also, I mean, CCNRs and things like that, that, that are involved. So when, when I say legislature, Tom and I um, are just educating people that, that this is out there. So they're aware of it. So they're not afraid of it. Okay. That, you know, everything that we're doing with accessibility and residential real estate is a positive, you know, it's not, we're going to get you in trouble because you haven't done it yet. But we also want there to be a little bit of grace that if a realtor does the, the, the wrong thing with the right intentions, yeah. You know that, you know it's it's okay if they don't do it again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, hey, thank you so much for uh, uh, the conversation, but also uh, accessibility is uh, is becoming more and more important, and so therefore we need to em- embrace it, but also understand it and uh, be okay to ask for help. I love that. Exactly. Hey, thank you again. You and bet. Thank you have you. a glorious day. I will. You too. Thanks again. <laughs>